Are beavers really worth a damn? These furry agents of change create and maintain essential wetlands. No one's going to argue that they improve their environment for the better, but I'm starting to think that they change the lives of the people who work with them as well. Let me show you what I mean. With me now is Mary O'Brien of the Grand Canyon Trust. She's the Utah Forest Project Manager in charge of the beaver program there. Um, Mary, could you just explain a little bit about what you do? Well, I'm part of a regional organization, Grand Canyon Trust, that works throughout the Colorado Plateau. But I work in Utah, and within Utah, a lot of the program is in Arizona, within Utah, I work on the three national forests that are on the northern part of the Colorado Plateau, and that's the Dixie, Fish Lake, and Manti LaSalle National Forests. And then... I work on a number of issues, uh, all related to improving wildlife conservation and habitat and native uh, vegetation and, and uh, stream functioning and, and uh, riparian areas on the forest. Okay. But beaver are central to all of this, so that's that's a big part of our program. Willow tends to be increased by them because uh-huh. even though they use a lot of willow for eating during the um, summer and storing for winter, the dams create bigger margins, mm-hmm. a pond here, another pond there, um, a, a back, back uh, stream there. And all of that increases the area that's soggy, mm-hmm. like willow, like it. Mm-hmm. So they actually sometimes are even referred to as willow farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that in particular gets increased by beaver. Huh. Well, um, how did you ever get started with this work? What what got you involved? Well, it's it's like your organization shows every day it it was connections i was working at the time in oregon and went to the dissertation defense of suzanne fowdy who was doing her dissertation on beaver it hadn't originally started out that way it had started out uh as a study of of how streams change not riparian areas not the vegetation next to them but how streams change when livestock are taken off of them. Uh And on one of her sets of transects, comparison of exclosure and of livestock and and livestock present, beaver moved in one year. And at first she was like, oh, no, I've lost one of my five sites. They've screwed everything up. And then she thought, wait a second, that's the only stream in which real changes are taking place. Wow. The riparian vegetation is bouncing back in the exclosures, but the streams, the, the the shape of the stream, the straightness of the stream, the incision of the stream isn't really changing. Huh. And so right mid midstream, as we would say, <laughs> she changed the focus of her dissertation. Huh and came to understand the extraordinary role that beaver play in 
making streams more complex. Wow. How did you end up at our defense? Because I had been, I had gone on a field trip one day, one weekend, with just some folks that were interested in um, conditions on the forest, mm-hmm. and she was on that trip, and I guess she mentioned that she was going to ah. be um, doing this dissertation defense, and ah. I was just fascinated. So then, when I came to Utah, in 2003 and started working for Grand Canyon Trust. In 2004, I spent most of the summer out on the forest looking at conditions, what needed to be restored and so on. And I felt to some degree like I was walking in a ghost town Mm. because there was sign of so many beavers having been there Mm. at one time. You know, their old dams remain intact, at least the edges of them a long time. Um, The stumps are sticking up. And I thought, you know, i got to bring Suzanne Foudy out here and have her teach me how to read the landscape and understand where beaver could come back, where were they, what are the signs when they were there very long ago. Mm -hmm. And she took time off. Uh, mm-hmm. vacation time from her work with Wallawa Whitman National Forest and came over and we just went around for three days looking at all kinds of sites that I I knew from forest reports had had beaver yeah. or should have beaver. Wow. And that, that started me down the road of the whole process of getting uh, beaver back onto these three forests. Mm-hmm. which are in southern and central Utah. Yeah. And most people know of the Red Rock Canyons, you know, right. Bryce and Zion and Escalante and um, Arches and Canyonlands. But my forests are the ones that are feeding all those areas with water. Huh. Huh. They're the uplands. They're the, they're the source of water for throughout... Uh, what's more famous in Utah, mm. and so uh, that started the the odyssey of um, how do we coordinate Utah Division of Wildlife Resources being in support of beaver, the forests, and there's three different forests being in support of beaver. How do we get uh, support from the Washington office, the National U.S. Forest Service? How do we get support of uh, adjacent landowners or landowners that have inholdings? And that's the work we're doing. Wow. Wow. I, I love your image of the ghost town. That is really powerful and, and really artistic. Um, what, what do you think is the best part of what you do? What do you like the most? What do I like the most? I think finding how readily people can change their mind about beaver with the simplest stories, the simplest uh, field visits, the just the listing of all the benefits of beaver. Mm. And I am astonished at how it's almost lying latent in people. Oh, my gosh, they do all that? I didn't think of that. Uh-huh. And so... Rather than it being a struggle to get the um, 
processes going that are going to restore beaver on these forests. Mm-hmm. I've I've loved how readily Utah Division of Wildlife Resources agreed to do a first ever beaver management plan. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Boulder Community Alliance, a small organization down in southern Utah, jumped into the picture enthusiastically and and uh, helping with the whole ideas and, and perceptions down there. Uh, Teresa Griffin with Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, who's just nothing but uh, uh, enthusiastic, just loves beaver. It's like all these these interests got mm-hmm. released, and that's the funnest part, I think. Huh? Huh? Why do you think that is? Because that has uh, not yet been our experience in California. So, what what do you think that's about? Um, I think you know. I think maybe one thing has to do with water down here in, uh-huh. in Southern Utah. Everyone knows that water is our lifeline and it's under threat with climate change. Uh It's under recurring threat always of drought. And so riparian areas and streams and fishing streams and ponds and wet meadows are all like oases Mm -hmm. in, in, in a very arid region so that the connection of beaver with helping to maintain all that may have some immediate resonance. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. What What do you think um, people don't get about uh, the role of beaver or about what you do? What What's mm. the hardest thing to get them to understand? Well, I think there's always the initial problem where someone has a problem. And that's, of course, talked about by Skip Lyle in your series Mm -hmm. and Sharon Brown and Sherry Tippy. There's the initial, i got to get this beaver out of here. It's Uh causing this problem. And I think that is what is so exciting about the work is just turning that around. We now have a full-time person huh. on beaver restoration on the three forests, and he's systematically going around to the different Utah Division of Wildlife Resources offices, to a mayor who had written huh. a letter against uh, what beaver were doing to cottonwoods in the town, to a private landowner who was concerned about a beaver dam breaking and and damaging um, waterworks he had, and and so that's that's his job uh-huh. going around and uh, saying, "Look, we can help. Flow yeah. control devices, uh, yeah. volunteers, fencing trees, uh-huh. and then there's also look what you get with the beaver. Uh-huh. Let's keep that. So, <laughs> what's, it, what's his title?" What's his title? Wildlife Associate, Jeremy Christensen. Okay. Great job. Right. (laughs) That's what he thinks, too. (laughs) But another thing he's doing, and this is um, 
this is the heart maybe the hardest part of our work is that in the new beaver management plan that Utah did, it named 87 creeks on the three forests, additional creeks on on the other two forests, but in our three forests, they named 87 creeks in which beaver um, would, it would be beneficial to get them restored. Well, one of the things you have to do first is go and see what is the condition of that creek. Yeah. Can you will it, there be success if the beaver are restored there? Yeah. And where are the best ones? Where are the low-hanging fruit to put the beaver back? And they're going to be happy, and there's going to be food, and they're going to be fairly remote, and and so on. But he's he's going out and systematically looking at a lot of creeks. Well, the surprise in some of them is that beaver are already there. They're not going to have to be reintroduced. <laughs> yeah. And with the more positive orientation toward beaver now, they're more likely to be able to stay. Right. But unfortunately, some areas, there's too much pressure on the willows and cottonwood and aspen by cattle primarily and uh-huh. also elk. Uh-huh. So that in an area where a beaver where beaver had been mm-hmm. and they left mm-hmm. for one reason or another they were trapped out they moved on they had disease whatever they left and then the their pond may drain and there's a lot of area that could then become willow mm-hmm. but those little willow sprouts if they've all been eaten down then beaver yeah. can't come back there. Right. There's no food supply. Uh-huh. So that's a big part of our wildlife associates' job is checking out these 87 creeks and making reports on every single one. Yeah. And we also run volunteer trips, huh. uh, five-day-long trips, where volunteers uh, are helping us with some quantitative assessments of huh. how dense is the willow, how wide are the bands, um, which parts of the creek has aspen n- n- near it. Um, beaver like to stay within about 100 feet of their water if they can. Um, huh. So what 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 food is there available to them within 100 feet? Wow. Wow, uh, what a great trip to be on, too, as a volunteer. Um, well, we have a volunteer website. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what, and what's the name? Well, our, well our, our, our website is www.grandcanyontrust.org, and then you can work your way to a tab that's Utah, and you can work your way to a tab that's volunteer, and it lists all our volunteer trips for 2012. Fantastic. Um, do you, Mary, do you remember the first time you saw a beaver and and what your impression was or what surprised you or the first time that stuck in your mind? You know, I would have seen beaver back when I was a child and we, our family took vacations uh, in Sequoia National Park. Huh. But I also remember a time I didn't get to see beaver, which is kind of funny. When I had my two little boys and we were on a trip with my husband and the two little boys, we wanted to go to a ranger talk one evening on beaver. And we went to the beaver talk and it was at dusk. 
and it was going to walk out to a beaver pond, and we were going to, of course, have to stay quiet. Well, my little one <laughs> was too little to be quiet. He was bouncing around. And so I said to uh, my my husband, Obi, said, look, I'll go back to camp with Zeke, and you can stay here with Josh, because Josh is a little older. He's like three, and he can be quiet. So Josh and I stayed, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. And that oh. night, there was no talk. There was no beaver showing up. We get back to camp, and Obi says, Zeke and I got to watch a beaver <laughs> a long time. We crossed cross-country back to camp. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what would you say to other folks who want to do um, the who want to be involved in the kind of work you do? What kind of background should they have? Who should they talk to? Well, you know, it's interesting. You think of um, uh, you think of Jeremy Christensen, and he first worked as an organizer with Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. Then he was a technician for three years with the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, working on uh, stream restoration, huh. and then. He um, applied when we advertised for Wildlife Associate. And I thought, mm. oh, boy, someone who knows advocacy with yeah. Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance and someone who loves to be outdoors in the streams, and that's with Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. That's just who I want. Then we just recently hired another person full-time to work with us, and although she won't be working all the time on beaver, when um, beaver... Uh, sign is is around that will get recorded in her work on Dixie and Fish Lake. She came on a volunteer trip in 2010 with the Trust, and she was just delightful on the trip and loved running the beaver assessment transects, and she applied for the job uh, that that we have um, with the on the Dixie and Fish Lake National Forest. And her training is, she's actually a, a master's in public health. She huh. doesn't have any wildlife biology training at all, or but she does uh, appreciate the value of uh, accurate information. She's a policy. Uh-huh. An, she has been until now a policy analyst with the health, the state health department, and uh-huh. uh, she also appreciates policy policy work. How do you change? the policies that make life easier for willow and aspen and cottonwood and and beaver. So, you know, you can come to beaver work from almost any any direction Uh as long as you are okay with getting your feet pretty sloppy and wet (laughs) and falling in the river occasionally. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Or up to your up to your chest putting in a a flow control device or patient to watch beaver, whatever. I think uh, as I think um maybe maybe Sharon Brown was mentioning, um you can always read about beaver to learn the the some of the science and information you really do need to be aware of, but a lot of it is just getting out there and uh volunteering and mm-hmm. getting some familiarity with the forest and streams and mm-hmm. uh, beaver and 
mapping and so on. Right. Right. Well, Mary, I have been so impressed and grateful for the work that you've done, and I really appreciate you talking with us at Agents of Change. It's been an inspiration. Well, your organization is an inspiration for everyone, (laughs) and your website is just a a meeting. It's like a big, warm meeting house for everyone to find out great stories about Beaver and, and new changes. That time